Greetings and salutations. It's the Thack Daddy Experience brought to you by DVR Podcast. I am the Thack Daddy. And I'm just going to talk about some stuff. You'll kind of figure out what it is. But I am going to put my little disclaimer. There's going to be spoilers. I'm going to be talking about uh, I Am Mother from Netflix. So here I go. You know, while I have demonstrated an obsession with time travel to varying degrees I'm also interested <clears throat> excuse me in artificial intelligence and not for the most obvious of reasons uh, my main point of interest regarding artificial intelligence really deals with what would artificial intelligence be interested in because we're assuming that when artificial intelligence becomes similar or akin to our consciousness, that it would exhibit the same proclivities as us. Obviously, I'm mentioning all of this because I'm very appreciative of the representation of what I consider a actual possibility of that outcome that is demonstrated in the Netflix film, I Am Mother. The overall simplicity of the storytelling punctuates the film's point incredibly for me, which is why I'm a fan of it. I really enjoy it. Really, there are only three main characters in this story. Uh, You have mother, you have daughter, and you have what I have dubbed outsider. Mother is the artificial intelligence who raises daughter. And daughter is a human pulled from a collection of several thousand tubes. Mother raises daughter, nurtures daughter, and and most importantly, tests daughter. So what I mean by that is throughout the whole development of daughter, where you see her as a baby, and then as a child, and then as a teenager, and then, you know, impending adulthood slash womanhood you see that mother administers a series of tests and we don't really know the nature or purpose or intent of said tests. However, daughter's character is one that throughout that duration is not a questioning character. Is a character who does not go against mother and attempts in all ways, shapes, and forms to please mother. This, of course, is interrupted by an outside influence, which I call the outsider. There's a situation that develops where an outside entity, in this case a human female, a grown adult human female, who is wounded is found outside of what I will call the keep where mother and daughter live. The outsider needs help and daughter attempts to help her but tries to veil it initially from mother ultimately against mother's wishes or so it seems daughter does help the outsider the outsider has immediate disdain for mother and this disdain is based on the fact that according to the outsider mother and her kind have annihilated the human race 
and are enemies of all human beings. So that's interesting, right? So of course daughter's very perplexed and confused, but she does want to help this person and does want to get to know them. The outsider, of course, is not what she seems, and she's an element that reinforces the kind of omnipresence of mother in that the outsider gives tidbits of what the world was like and what happened, and then she wants daughter to come with her. So that complicates daughter's life because she doesn't like to deceive mother, and she has a kind of divided loyalty. But eventually, due to several conversations, which I'm not going to divulge, daughter does decide to go with the outsider. And what she finds is that the outsider was, in fact, deceitful and just an extraordinarily lonely human being. One who had survived many years under harsh circumstances, but did so alone. And... There's also another element that adds to daughter leaving behind the outsider. And that element is the selection of brother. So what that means is daughter passed enough tests that mother decided to allow daughter to select another tube that was to become another human being. And then they initiated the birth of that tube. So... She wanted to go with the outsider but said she would return. When she figured out that the outsider had deceived her, she left the outsider behind. So, basically, after leaving the outsider behind, when she arrives back at the keep, she sees that there are a great many AI akin to mother outside of the keep mother has them stand down and she enters the keep so when she enters the keep mother gives her the truth and the truth is that mother is one consciousness in many forms and that she raised daughter and performed the test to develop and rebuild the human race so daughter's tests were all about creating and generating an empathetic or empathy-based human being who will nurture, support, and care for other human beings and also a type of human being that would not destroy the world the way that we previously did. So that's pretty interesting. mother's intent was clear because mother actually destroyed the human race and decided to start it again from scratch by raising human beings and making sure that they were uh, empathic or full of empathy for other living beings so the actual outsider was something that mother integrated into the situation intentionally so that she could further test daughter and daughter passed the test so mother is going to allow her 
to basically be the new mother to the human race. I thought it was very interesting because, like I mentioned earlier, we tend to project our own nature and proclivities onto what we would consider to be an artificially intelligent consciousness. And yet it seems much more likely that an artificially intelligent consciousness might deem a reboot, so to speak, a logical conclusion based on the behaviors of humanity. The presentation in the environment is amazing. And when all of the story comes together, it's really phenomenal because you see all the groundwork within the story laid down for, you know, the activities of mother, raising daughter, testing daughter, integrating this other foreign element into the situation to gauge the empathy, the consciousness, and the behavior of daughter to see if she was worthy of continuing on the project of rejuvenating the human race. So, the framework of all that, how it was executed cinematically, I thought was, it evoked a lot of emotion. Uh, The science fiction storytelling was epic. And also, it was very reminiscent of like an A.E. Van Vogt novel. Uh, Vogt is spelled V-O-G-T. I may be mispronouncing it. He was a science fiction writer. Uh, My favorite book of his was Slan. So, anyway, I strongly recommend that if you have time, you watch this film because I was drawn into it. I initially just wanted to sample it. I watched the first few minutes, and then I got sucked in. So, really, I was trying to see another take on artificial intelligence because my appetite for the third season of Westworld is very large looms large i'm very excited to see what mave and dolores aka wyatt do out in our world which looks to be a very dog eat dog techno just strange place to be and it looked like it was shot very well i'm very very excited about what's going on with westworld so, I watched I Am Mother, and I really feel like it's a very interesting premise, and the execution was phenomenal. So, if you got time, I'd say go check out I Am Mother on Netflix. Now, this is me going on a tangent regarding Netflix. Uh, I saw a very good version of Richard Adams' Watership Down. It was animated. I thought it was phenomenal. You know, you have Fiverr and Hazel, two of my favorite literary characters of all time. And as it regards that, my tangent is this. I personally think Netflix or someone, some company, should make an animated film based on Richard Bach's Jonathan Livingston Seagull. The basic premise is that Jonathan Livingston Seagull is an outcast because he holds mastery of flight above eating it and just surviving after being outcast he spends the rest of his life or his earthly days mastering flight 
upon his death, he meets a seagull much like himself uh, to the point where he follows that seagull and they go to a place that's not heaven. It's just another plane of existence. And he continues to grow and evolve on that plane. There's an elder there and the elder teaches him in this other plane of existence uh, that he is neither his body and there is no necessary time or space. Um, and the bigger thing is that his body, time and space and every other element in existence is not a hindrance to his flight. He actually begins to learn the skill and then master it of traversing all planes of existence in multiple realities and universes. Having mastered that, though, Jonathan feels compelled to return to the earthly plane to teach seagulls like himself. He believes that there are some seagulls who remain behind who want to learn and desire to fly. Uh, he returns, and of course the flock doesn't approve of him. They demonize him. Because he demonstrates abilities above and beyond their consciousness. And he takes on students. And he teaches his main student that he is no different from any other seagull. It's just a matter of how he perceives himself. And because they're the flock, they have a flock mentality. The mentality is geared more than for survival and then wondering why you're even trying to survive like what is the intent to survive just to keep surviving to derive no joy from existence to just merely exist to not take flight like flight is a literally a symbol of being afraid to grow beyond your conditioning so that you can master and meet your true self having said that Jonathan ultimately leaves the teaching to these new flocks to his protege and takes on the calling of the elder to go explore other amazing and phenomenal realities. Having said that, I'm going to inundate you with a series of quotations from the book, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, that I thought were phenomenal. And you can take them for what they are. I hope you appreciate them. If you don't, cool. If you do, cool. And again, I do appreciate each and every person that's listened. And I do apologize for not being more active. It's kind of engaged in my normal day-to-day -day existence. Which at times, even for me, a relatively unknown creature, can be hectic. So, here are a few of my favorites. This one from page 56 of the version I read. To fly as fast as thought to anywhere that is, you must begin knowing that you have already arrived. Page 59. The trick was to know that his true nature lived as perfect as an unwritten number, everywhere at once across space and time. To see the meaning of flight beyond a way of travel to get a breadcrumb from a rowboat. Page 61. Perhaps there might even have been one made outcast for speaking his truth in the face of the flock, 
and he knew with practice eased that he was not bone and feather, but a perfect idea of freedom and flight, limited by nothing at all. But overcome space, and all we have left is here. Overcome time, and all we have left is now. And in the middle of here and now, don't you think that we might see each other once or twice? I thought that was beautiful. Um, and the last one. Don't believe what your eyes are telling you. All they show is limitation. Look with understanding. Find out what you already know, and you'll see the way to fly. That's page 90 of the version I read. So, I don't know. I really like that story, and I really think others would enjoy it too. So, if you actually are into reading, read it. I'm going to end this particular cast discussing briefly a film called Griff the Invisible. I might have before, so if this is redundant, so be it. So Griff the Invisible is basically the guy who played Jason from True Blood, who was Sookie's brother. Uh, he believes he's an invisible crime fighter, and he's a kind of weird, sad character, and he's bullied at work and considered odd. His semi or whatever normal brother I was going to say quasi but I guess he's the representation of normal uh, his brother has a girl that he likes he's kind of dating her she's not really into him but nonetheless you know he's with her and that's how she encounters Griff and she's interesting because she believes that because of the emptiness of space, that whole 99.9% .9 of all physical space as we perceive it is actually empty. She believes that if you synchronize your form with a solid object, you can actually phase through solid matter. Um, obviously, eventually she dates Griff. Along the way, he does lose his job. He gets beat up and... He tries to be normal. And the trying to be normal part is where the story takes its twist. Because when he tries to be normal, he pretty much breaks her heart. Because they, they were dating. And she liked him for being the guy who believed he was an invisible crime fighter. Not the guy who thought he should be exactly like his brother and everyone else in the world. So, they break up. He hits the floor. He's crying. He's miserable. She's outside his door. She's crying and she's miserable. And then, boom, she phases through the door. She falls down. And it's just a beautiful and amazing moment. I know I probably ruined and spoiled the movie. But you have to see it and experience it in order to actually enjoy it. I think it was quite enjoyable. So I'm going to inundate you with some quotes from that movie. Uh, because I thought that they were beautiful. So... This is just stuff that was in the movie. Um, I know who you are. You are me and the opposite of me. You are the question and I am the answer. You are the proton and I am the neutron. You are a magnetic field and I am light forever drawn to you. Follow these instructions. Do exactly as I do. Lean your shoulders forward. Let your hands slide to my side. Move your body closer. Let your heart meet mine. Love is the harmony, desire is the key. Love is the melody, now sing it with me.
You'll be the rhythm and I'll be the beat. You'll be the rhythm and I'll be the beat. Then I'll be the rhythm and you'll be the beat. And love the shoreline where you and I meet. So on that note, hasta la pasta. I hope this has been entertaining for you. I appreciate whoever's out there in this wide, wondrous, strange world listening. And until next time, which no will not be weeks and weeks, it's the Thack Daddy saying peace out. And thank you very much. Enjoy your holidays. Be safe. Later.